Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We're glad to hear from you again. Yes, thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about expectations and assumptions. In relationships. In relationships and clearly communicating. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> Before we went on the air, we were we were chatting about uh, how expectations and assumptions are kind of the ugly twins that can sabotage really good relationships. And we, we thought, and we were having a little a little fun talking about examples of it so we'll we'll repeat some of them now so that you so that you get an idea of where we're coming from go ahead alana so <laughs> i i was recalling you know i was 18 years old and i had started my first office position and um one of as a receptionist and one of the partners um i had assumed was you know, busy on the phone. And so then he had called me into his office because he was waiting for that phone call. And um, he had given me the definition of what he thought, uh, well, what he felt assume was. And, uh, you know, that was make an ass out of you and me. So by saying that he was unavailable to speak to this client on the phone, I had made an ass of him and myself. And so ever since then, I have never forgotten that, you know, that lesson to, um, to not assume. However, that doesn't mean that I haven't assumed things, right, um, <laughs> since then. But that was really my first introduction to assuming things. Yeah, and then we were talking about um, um, how how people try to read other people's minds, and then they they operate on the basis of what they assume the other person is thinking. Yes, yes. Uh, and while the other person has an expectation that a, they in fact will read their minds, but will do it accurately, and furthermore, will have the appropriate response once they figure it out. Yes. So I had also mentioned um, that women do some assuming uh, about men and, you know, thinking that women tend to think that we, that we, you know, we can read men's minds and, or that they can read our minds and that they know what we're thinking and how Mm -hmm. we're feeling and what we want. And, um, you know, they don't, Men don't think like women. And guys will say, how am I supposed to know that? And the gal will say, if you loved me, (laughs) you would know. Yes, yes. Um, It it is true. It is very true. Um, You know, I often, I don't know if you've heard of Alison Armstrong, but she um, talks about, she does coaching for relationships um, on a real deeper level kind of, you know, how women emasculate men. And, um, you know, a friend, of uh, my girlfriends and I get together and, um, you know, we're all dating and it's like, well, you, you want, you want him to be a hairy woman, you know, I mean, he's a man. And so he's not going to think and do and feel like you do. And a lot of women want that. They want a man who is a hairy woman who thinks and feels like a woman but is a man. And so um, 
you know, learning how to clearly communicate what we're feeling and thinking to men will help our relationships tremendously. Well, yeah, and I I think now that we've trashed women a little bit, we, we ought to go after men a little too, because men will oftentimes uh, it's, roll back into this wall of silence of ours and uh, and, we'll, and we'll feel like we don't know what to do because we keep guessing and we keep guessing wrong. So finally, we just kind of stonewall. But when actually what we ought to do is say, I don't know what's going on. I'm believing, I'm assuming that this is so, is that right? Yes. And, but we don't do that. No. no. We're supposed to know that stuff. We're supposed to be manly. <laughs> we're supposed to be directive. Yes. Yes. And men aren't necessarily taught how to communicate either. No, we aren't. No, we aren't. No, and even even somebody like me, I was raised in a family of mostly women. And I, when I say mostly women, I was the first grandson before and for 32 other children before the second grandson came along. Oh, wow. And my mother's generation uh, was uh, mostly women. So I grew up in this estrogen laden atmosphere. <laughs> and I still don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm sure you don't. <laughs> I don't. And then and I don't know what's going on unless I ask. I mean, if I make an assumption, even then, I can make an assumption that Alana is like Linda. And that under a given circumstance, she would have a given expectation. It's the same as Linda. Well, that would be all wrong. Yeah. Uh, it almost always is. You know, the luckiest guess is the, the one where I guess what you want. <laughs> and then I've seen couples where uh, I ask, well, what would you like to do tonight? Oh, I don't know. What would you like to do? Oh, I don't know. I'd may. What do you want to go out and eat? Well, anything is fine with me. That's okay. For God's sakes, can one of you just say, let's do such and such? <laughs> and take a chance that the other person will say, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> but rather than, than take those kind of risks and be direct with each other, we we can sit there and one of the most one of the most fruitless des des discussions you can have is where will we eat tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know what you want to do. I, I'm not sure that I care one way or the other. So why don't you pick? No, 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 no. I always pick. Why don't you pick? I'd rather not pick if you, because I, because I, I don't know what you like. Oh, geez. Maybe you don't know what I like because we don't ask each other those questions. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it it reminds me of the pleas and appease too, right? To not be able to even make a simple decision on where to go to eat. <clears throat> because we like to, we go back to that please and appease. Oh, whatever you'd like to do, honey. Yes, dear. <laughs> I remember one of my uncles telling me that the, that the best thing I could learn to say is yes, dear. And that doesn't work. Because after yeah. a while, Linda figured it out pretty quick that that's <laughs> what I was doing. <laughs> oh, Linda's funny, too. I like her. She's, yeah, I could just imagine. Um... I just read an article, a summary of an article, um, where um, uh, a guy by the name of Gottman said that one of the biggest mistakes that we make is believing that somehow the tension between men and women 
uh, it follows that book. Uh, remember, uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, or the other yep. way around. I always get it backwards. Uh, and and he says quite clearly, that's not the problem. We're supposed to be different. Yes. Men are supposed to be from Mars. Women are supposed to be from Venus. That's not the issue. The issue is, can we find a way to discover the complementarity of those two? That really they can fit together very well and that where my peaks are, your valleys are, and vice versa. Absolutely. But as you say, well, I, in fact, you said that women want um, men to be a hairy woman. Yeah. Well, there is a, a Broadway song that why can't a woman be more like a man? Mm, I've not heard of that. In My Fair Lady. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be different. And and the irony is that the thing that, that draws us together initially, I mean, I really like that you're a girl. <laughs> but then after a while, uh, the irony is that for some folks, that becomes irritating. Why do you think like that? Well, because I'm a girl. That's the thing that drew you to me in the first place. Yeah, I I was having a conversation with one of my friends a couple of weeks ago. She's been dating this this guy for a couple of months now. And, you know, he's doing things around the house, but like he'll forget that the you know, the leaf bag is there or he'll forget the rake or, you know, and I was like, but he does the job first, right? Like he, he completes, you know, the, 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 whatever he was doing. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, well, then, you know, he's just not tidy like that. So just clean it up. Or, or, and, and he left a cup, he left a cup of a, a, a drink on the shelf um, and then later, you know, she's like, well, he has something to drink. I don't know why he's not drinking it. Why do I got to bring him another drink? And I'm like, just bring him another drink. What does it matter? You know, that he forgot about his drink. Whereas like a woman wouldn't have necessarily forgotten where the drink was. And I was like, well, there you go. You want a hairy woman. <laughs> I think that's true. Well, yeah, there, it's interesting, too, that that it's not just around the, the typically male or the typically female kinds of things. It's a, it's around, um, I've noticed there's about 12 or 13 traits and characteristics in a relationship that the two people will be in different places on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like 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 with finances. Um, and, and, they and it has to do with how I bind my anxiety around some things. But around finances... Uh, as an example, in my relationship with Linda, eh, it's okay. If we got money, we got money. If we don't got money, we don't got money. And let's spend it. And what the hell? And um, I'm fairly, I'm not that lackadaisical, but I'm a little looser on it, you know. And I, and and I've been poor, and I've had more money, and and I like both places. So it's you know I don't have a lot of anxiety about it. Linda, on the other hand, can tell you to the micro penny what we have in our banking accounts. And if she she's one of those folks, I know you know some folks who will sit and try to balance her banking account to find the three missing cents, and she'll take a half hour by God to do that. Right, but having that be on the money binds her anxiety. Yeah, and uh, and I if, for anybody listening, it doesn't help to say here's a quarter, let's forget it. That that doesn't fix it. No, that's not the problem. But but I'm an underfunctioner when it comes to money. 
She's an overfunctioner. And that could well have been over the 50 odd years we've been married, a point of contention for us. Yes. But there's real strength in both of our positions. And we've come to learn that over the years. But I've seen couples who will demonize the other for those same characteristics. You know, who makes the who makes decisions about the major purchases, who decides about career, where we're going to live, what we're going to do for recreation, who our friends are going to be, that kind of stuff. Who who does more about one thing than another? You know, that that the, the person who does more sees the other as lazy. The person who who does uh, less sees the other person as obsessed. That's a good, that's a bad way to go. That's an, an assumption about what the other person's doing. Why not just assume that that's a powerful position and figure out what it is? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I remember too, you sharing a story with me that, you know, many years ago, you were more willing to take a risk with some partners and Linda was like, oh no. And then oh. you quickly... <laughs> You quickly. Well, I learned my lesson. There were times I should have listened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, however, though, I feel like that keeps the balance, right? If you were both lackadaisical about money, well, then that you could, you know, you could not have it and you could not be going to, um, I don't know, remember where you're going, but every year you do a, a two week or three week trip with your family, right? And so you take them someplace, not, yeah. If you had not had that balance with Linda, right, perhaps you wouldn't be able to do that. Right. Well, if even but to be clear, we could both be um, high functioners when it comes to money, but relative to each other, one of us would have been higher than the other. Mm. So, so no matter where you on the continuum, one of you is higher than the other. And so there's always that differential that potentially can cause you trouble. I mean, I've seen couples who were who had both filed bankruptcy two or three times each. And they're just as happy as clams. I mean, they're very, they're very close. But occasionally they argue a little bit about one of them being a little less or a little less careful about money than the other. So it's oh, it's not so much where you are exactly on the, but how, but your differences. Yeah. And do you take those differences and criticize each other for them, or do you take those and see their complementarity? I don't know how we got into this because we started out with assumptions and expectations. But again, I expect you to be like me. Well, and I think communication, really, um, you know, in, in communicating how we feel about things, what we enjoy, what we like, what we don't like, um, how, you know, I always find it interesting, too, how there's couples who have different political views and I don't want to get into a whole thing of politics but I'm always like wow when I because when you see people right on opposite sides and then yet they can still come together especially on such a big subject for some people on politics mm -hmm. um you know it's just I'm I'm always in awe of that I I feel like wow um you know I don't know if I could do that <laughs> I don't but well, I guess it, it is difficult to to respect that. I I know that Linda and I have somehow come down close to being on the same side of the political aisle, but I do know couples that are way miles apart uh, on the political spectrum, and somehow, 
they they have figured out how to speak respectfully about their relative positions and 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 to be respectful and uh, and and seeing how complimentary those can be. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure I could. I am not sure I could because I haven't had a chance to try. Yeah. Well, and you're not going to. So. Well, I can say that I, I my some of my relatives are uh, fun at the dining room table, so they're on the other side. Yeah. 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 And uh, we, as a matter of fact, we have so we have a rule that says at Thanksgiving dinner that we will not talk about. Uh, or if you if you start speaking about politics over the turkey, you will sit with the, at the children's table. <laughs> yes, no politics, no religion, none of those topics. Well, we're all Catholics, so that doesn't matter. We can talk oh. religion all we want, and we can even uh, trash the local uh, parish priest. <laughs> but 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 politics, absolutely not. No, mm -mm. we don't talk about it. Yeah. yeah, and frankly, it's it's interesting that um, about half of my family is incredibly tolerant of of folks in the family who have a different view, but half of my family isn't, and they go from talking about stuff and that makes them nervous that the other person is saying, and and all of a sudden a discussion about logic becomes a discussion about personality. Mm. And we do ad hominem attacks instead of talking about stuff. Um, and I and I there back to expectations. I expect you to believe the smart thing. Oh yeah, the thing. I mean, how could you be so stupid? Mm -hmm. So we go from I expect you to, and since you don't believe what I believe, then I assume that you are stupid. Yeah. Um, I and we wonder why we have fights over the turkey. Yeah, yeah. Let me. Ask, so, do you? Do, does your family talk about the work that you do with mental health? Yeah, always have. Okay. My wife is is my office manager. Well, no, but I mean, like your extended family, like you know, when you, Thanksgiving dinner, or you know, when you're with your larger extended family, is mental health. Something. Mental health, addictions, absolutely, yeah. Okay. And I and it it I have been um, surprised at how respectful they are of my boundaries. That uh, that my family members don't come to me by and large for a lot of um, on the fly counseling. Yes. Uh, they don't ask me a whole bunch of questions about some relative. Uh, they've been good about that. Occasionally. They'll come to me and, and tell me about how much pain they're in or something like that. And where should they go? But okay. no, we don't we don't talk a lot about that. But but you need to know, too, that. A significant number of folks in my family, and I'm sure this is true of many extended families, have problems with mental health and addiction issues. And of course, we talk about it. Uh, some of the families that are less functional don't. That's mine. <laughs> Not anymore. I know that's not true. What do you mean? That's what. Hey, why are we doing this this podcast? It, it's it's because we understand how much we have to do that with our families, and and this kind of activity helps us to remember to do it when we're back home with our folk. Yeah, we'll see how I do in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do talk a lot about it, and 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 in fact, I have a circle of friends that. that 
uh, we call ourselves the Dirty Monkeys, and we travel together a lot. And it's it's ironic. I, I just realized this the other day, but half of us are recovering alcoholics. Mm. And it's all the men. Okay. So we go we go on vacations, and the women all order this drink called a Dirty Monkey. And that's how we got our names. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And none of the men drink it. We don't drink. No, we're in, we're in we're all in abstinence programs of one sort or another. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and we do have we do have family members who struggle with uh, bipolar and with some schizophrenic issues. Uh, so. You know, I, I, I don't know a family that's not cursed with that to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there was a, there was an old priest by the name of father Joe Martin who did these really great chalk talks and he was very entertaining and he, he'd talk about addiction and mental health and stuff like that. And he'd sit in an audience and he'd say, listen, look at the person in front of you, turn around, look at the person behind you, look at the person to the right and the person to the left. One of them is dealing with an issue more serious than yours. Mm. One out of those four people in any audience is dealing with a mental health or addiction issue in their family, and they're having pain. And that, that really struck me, and I, and I realized over the years that his number was probably low. Yes, yes. I agree. And I think that's something that we can bring into our next um, episode, you know, uh, assumptions about people around us and, you know, the, either themselves or their loved ones dealing with mental health concerns and to, you know, not make those assumptions. I feel like the picture that society has drawn for us about mental health is, you know, is not the reality. It's not mm. the reality. And, um, you know, they seem to depict when, you know, they're very, with people with mental health concerns are very violent or, you know, uh, and, uh, and harmful. However, there's so, so many that aren't that way. And the people around you need your support. You know, they... Well, yeah, a good example of that is if, if I know that something bad's going on in your family you know i come to find out that you know there's a relative who's had a break or something um i've seen it happen that people will say well i didn't ask him about it because i assumed they wouldn't want to talk about it well instead of assuming they didn't want to talk about it why don't you say i assume you don't want to talk about it am i wrong exactly. or would you like to talk about it yes and be respectful of whichever answer they give you but we don't do that if you make that assumption 50% of the time, you're going to be wrong. I mean, I don't care how good a guesser you are. Half the time, you're going to be wrong. Yes. Yes. I'll tell you what's more irritating to me, as long as I'm on my soapbox here, <laughs> is when somebody that is close to me or that I care about or that I'm in business with sees going something going on with me. You know, I'm grumpy or I'm... Not that I ever get grumpy, God knows, but I'm grumpy or I'm out of sorts or I'm looking distracted or maybe in pain. And they assume, they guess what's wrong. And on the basis of that guess, they begin acting towards me in a different way, mm. which may be absolutely contrary to what I need at that moment. Except, yep. It may be exactly the right thing. But rather than say, 
what the heck is going on with you? And what can I do to help? Instead of saying something like that, they say, well, I noticed that you were a little grumpy. So I thought maybe if I went out and bought you a cup of coffee or a latte and I, I was nice to you for two or three days, you would get out of it. Or, oh, he's just having a bad day. He'll get over it. That's a terrible assumption. Yeah. Well, and would it be really just need five minutes to just talk to somebody or to, you know, just it could be something so simple and not so complicated. And even if it is complicated, isn't that what people around us are for? And wouldn't it be nice if the other person didn't guess what was wrong with me? If they said, what's going on? And if I said, I just have a little gas, I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> How easy would that be? Instead, they go through this whole remediation program to help me get out of my grump. <laughs> oh, that was funny. funny. <laughs> well, I can't tell you how many. I mean, I have I'm an old man. I have pains. And I've seen people kind of shy away from me for a little while because I have this look on my face. Well, it may just be that one of my my vertebrae is acting up where I'm having sciatica or you know, as you say, gas, but it's, I could, there could be any number of things that happen to an old guy. Ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and even just asking me is an act of love. Yes. Yes. And I promise you, I will never say if you loved me, I shouldn't have to tell you. <laughs> I promise I won't say that. Okay, good. good. I think that is so dismissive, isn't it? If you loved me, you would know. Yeah. What do you mean? I would know. <laughs> well, and I mean it assumes that you know men are in our brains, right? That <clears throat> they think like us, and we—I mean, from person to person, even if you have five women, they'll they'll think different things, right? I, I mean, so go. how can we expect the opposite sex to understand and know where we're coming from and know what well, we mean? And why the hell do we call it the opposite sex? Yeah. Yeah. Can't we figure that out? Holy cow. Yeah. I, I, I get people coming in all the time, sitting in my office, and uh, I'll see them rolling their eyes when the other person's talking. And I'll think, that's not such a foreign thought for someone of that gender. Uh, that's, not, uh, that's not really a foreign thought for somebody married to you. <laughs> so... Why don't you ask where that's coming from? Why didn't you find out where that, that that's the way it was before you started acting in response to it? Yeah. 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 And they don't. Don't assume. Yeah. That's the other thing I'll tell you that people come in and out. The, the most common response when I, a couple sits down in front of me, I'll say, so what's going on with you guys? And the most common response, can you guess what it is? We don't communicate. Well, that's wrong. That's always wrong. They do communicate. They just don't communicate well. Yeah, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. And and wh why is that? Why don't we? Why don't we learn to communicate? Well, and I feel like I know that answer because and, and it goes back to the, you know, sh shoving down your feelings. You got to be strong enough. You don't cry. And, you know. Um, don't be wrong yeah and and be submissive and you know whatever you know our family and society taught that and we perceived it in our own way on how to act <clears throat> right and how to speak and 
express ourselves. Yeah, it's interesting that men don't have never understood that most women recognize and respect vulnerability when they see it. But we have, but we get this continuing message that we're supposed to be right, we're supposed to be strong, and we're supposed to be commanding. The old John Wayne thing. Mm-hmm. And yet, we're always surprised when we let down our guard and we're vulnerable that women find us most endearing and most strong. That is, you women are strange. <laughs> we are. You I'm are. not denying that at all. <laughs> well, men are weird and women are strange, but isn't that wonderful? It is. It is. Yeah. Well, listen, it's about a half hour, which is what we usually do. Yes. So now what, remind me again what we're going to talk about next time. You just said something really cool. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I think uh, how people around us assume, you know, that we're okay. Kind of going into what, what you said, right? And meanwhile, there may be dealing with a mental health concern or trauma even. Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about that next time. I think that's a really good thing. Okay. Right, will you make a note? I will. For for our listeners, you need to understand that I'm I'm not in my office. I'm doing this from on location, <laughs> and, and I'm and so I don't have my my gear with me. So Alana's really kind of driving the bus this time. I've got us covered. Thank you very much. Bye, Bye. y'all. Bye. We'll see you soon.